Happy Mother's Day. How many of you guys are mothers in the house? Woo! How many of you have mothers? Yay, everybody. Let's pray a blessing on all of the mothers right now. Can we do that? Let's bow our heads. God, we thank you so much for all the moms in the house, Lord, all the moms in our lives. Lord, all of those that have, have acted as mothers to us, Lord, some of us, um, we have spiritual mothers, and we have those that are aunties and tutus and people that just stepped in and filled in the gaps that, that love us, Lord. And so we just, we thank you. We pray that today, Father God, that we would honor them and that you would honor them as well, Lord, to let this be their day, despite whatever it took to get the kids in the car and dressed and all that to get here, Lord, that today would be an incredible day that you would bless their lives Give them the strength, the energy, the patience, all the love that they need to continue doing what they do in this responsibility, in this role that they have, Lord, that they play in all of our lives. Uh, we love them, God, and we love you, and we pray that you would bless them this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, it's a good, beautiful morning. If you looked out, it is pretty much Oregon out there, right? But, uh, you know, literally... Everybody complains, right? All the other parts of the island are like, oh, when we're inside, you guys are raining today. We have sunshine. We have this and that. But you know what happens? When the rain stops, we look around, and it's green and beautiful. And you know what they say in Eva Beach, it's brown, it's ugly, it's dry. So good for you, Eva Beach. We got the windward side. So we love the rain on the windward side. This is the side of the island where God lives. Am I right? Come on. So anyways, we're going to have a, a good one this morning. So I got a, a Mother's Day word for you this morning I was um, studying up on and to honor moms. <clears throat> and the word I think that, the God, that God gave me or I thought of or whatever was the word rugged. Can you turn to a mom right now and just say, you're rugged? Go ahead. Just try it out. She may be offended a little bit because I haven't explained what that means. Some of you guys are like, no, I want to hear I'm sweet, I'm precious, I'm beautiful. They're all of that stuff too. But here's the word rugged. Here's why I picked that for today's word. Here's what the word rugged um, is defined by. It means strongly made and capable of withstanding, of withstanding rough handling, right? It's like, Ugh. and it really means this. Durable, sturdy, robust, strong, tough, determined, and resilient. See, moms are rugged. Wouldn't you use some of those words to describe the moms that, right, what they have to put up? Some of you moms, you know you are resilient. You're rough. You're rugged. You're tough. It takes a lot to do all that you do in raising kids. And you're the one that really, honestly, moms, you're the ones that take care of the kids when they're sick, right? Dad has no idea. Here, drink some NyQuil, kid. I don't know how much. Just drink it, you know? <laughs> Something will work. But moms are the ones that take the time, and they miss work, and they do all of, they go the extra mile. And they deal with the times in life when the kids are not very respectful and not very grateful for what the moms does. The moms, the mothers, you hang in there anyway. And so I just want to say, man, we honor you moms and your job. It's a job that, you know, dads are designed a different capability, different set of tools. But moms, for what you do, it's amazing. And so we honor you today. But my word for you is you're rugged. You're tough. You're hardcore. You're gnarly. And we appreciate that about you. And we love that about you. And so... I want to talk about that this morning. Why do I know that moms are, are, are rugged is because there's a term that we call moms that are very protective, that are on it, that love their kids, that are loyal to their kids and want the best for them. And we use it in the, the, the picture of an animal to describe them, don't we? We call those kind of moms what? A mama bear, mama bear right? And it looks something like this, right? Because look at that look in that mama bear's eyes. She's got the kids behind, and they're just like, what? what's going on? What's going on, right? 
But look, you know that there's some danger there because look at that look in mom's eye. You ever seen that in your mom's eyes? Moms, you have that look on lock, don't you? When it comes time someone's coming at your kids, it's like, <laughs> right? She's, she's honest on it. And if someone steps to your kids or your husband or your family, you turn into this, yeah. right? <laughs> Anybody married to one of those or you have one, right? But that's a good thing. There was a couple years ago, my, my son, he's a freshman right now, but he was like seventh grade or something. And he was in an after school program and some skirmish went down. He got shoved or pushed down or hit or something. And I heard about it and I was like, oh, well, that's life growing up as a boy on the playground. You get hit, you hit back, right? My advice is, is kind of that. Like, you don't necessarily have to be bigger or stronger. Just be accurate, right? That's... <laughs> And you take care of business, right? That's just part of growing up. But my wife heard about it. And my wife is like, wait, what? Somebody pushed my kid? Somebody laid a hand on my kid and it wasn't me? Oh, no. We're calling the cops. Police report. Talking to the principal. I expect a letter of apology from him, her, him, him. And if I need to come down there myself, I will come down there, right? And I'm just thinking, it's okay. It's not a big deal. That's just part of life growing up. But see, that's the difference. And that's what we appreciate about moms is, man, they're, they're rugged. That's their, that's their natural born mama bear instinct is to protect. And so moms, thank you for that. We honor you today. And, and I was looking in the Bible. And I use this as the title of the, of the notes here today in the sermon today. If you look at your notes, it says rugged faith. Because I was looking in the Bible and I, and I was thinking, God, I want to deliver a, a message that ties in with moms, that brings honor to mothers. And maybe there's a mom in scripture that we can talk about that um, we can pull some things out of. And that's usually the, the MO on what you do kind of um, on Mother's Day sermons. And I just went straight to the top, right? Who is the most famous mom of all in the Bible? It's a mom of Jesus, right? It's Mary. It's the Virgin Mary. And so I started thinking, I don't know if I've ever really heard a sermon like this um, a Mother's Day, like on the life of Mary. And so I started studying. I started getting really interested on like, who was Mary? What was she all about? What was her life like? Let's do a Mother's Day sermon on Mary. And there are some interesting things that I learned as I began to study. And I'm going to take you through what the word has to say about Mary here this morning. But here's the thing. Mary was not a well-known leader or a teacher or a missionary or any type of big position or role of, of like leader or any of that that you would, you would kind of almost expect and you would think of in the Bible, right? But she had, what I found, she had rugged faith. She had tough, resilient, hardcore, hold on to the bitter end, hold on to, to God and his promises and reap the rewards of that. She had that kind of faith. And as I look at that, I'm like, but she wasn't a leader. She wasn't this. She wasn't anybody big in the church. All she's known for really honestly, truthfully, is by being a mom. That's what she's known for. She was the mother of Jesus. There's a couple of places in scripture that mention that it wasn't only Jesus. She, she mothered Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? She was a virgin, had never been with a man, but it was, it was a supernatural, amazing thing, the Messiah, right? But with Joseph, she actually had other kids. Jesus had other half brothers and sisters. It says it very clearly. There's a couple of places in Mark 13, 55, or Matthew 13, 55, and Mark 6, 3, it says she had four other boys, James, Joseph, Judas, or, or Jude that he went by, and Simon. So four brothers. And then it also mentions that Jesus had sisters as well. So sisters, plural, meaning at least two that we know of. So Mary was a full-time mom. 
She had one, two, three, four, five, seven children, and that's what she's known for. So she wasn't like, oh, she was a great this, she was a great that. But in her life, what we're going to learn today is she's a model for us about how to have rugged faith, faith in Jesus, because really, faith is everything. And when we're talking about Christianity and relationship with God, you can't just be the kind of faith that, that says, I read the Bible, I know about God. I've been to church before, I heard people talk about him. There's a difference in knowing about God and knowing God. You guys know what I'm saying? Like you could be checking out some girl, you single guys, like, oh, I know everything there is about that girl because I asked all of her friends and I, and I Googled her name and I've been stalking her. You know, <laughs> you can know everything about someone, but if you don't really know them, then there's no really real relationship there. And that's the thing that, that Hebrews 11.6 says this about faith. It says, it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. See, what we're going to talk about today is that Mary had rugged faith. And rugged faith pleases God, and it brings amazing results in our lives. So as I was looking at the life of Mary, I'm like, how does my faith stack up? The question we probably all have is, do I have enough faith? Because the more faith, the better the results. But where's my level of faith at? How can this speak to me? And I've been reading some articles lately in on psychology and on medicine and health and all these different things that talk about quality of life and talk about things that would add years to your life, right? Because people nowadays are, are learning to live longer because we're learning more about all the things that affect a long life. And so there's things like owning a pet actually adds years to your life because it makes you feel all happy and like, oh, Fido, you know, or whatever. It adds years to your life. Smart exercise, diet, you know, things like that, getting lots of sleep, all of those things contribute years to your life. And everybody wants to live a long and full life. And one of the big key indicators of having a good long life is this, is having a personal faith, is having a deep faith. Now, not specifically Christian, they're saying all religions, but basically, when you have a strong faith, and the stronger the better, the longer the life, it does a bunch of things in your life. It, it brings you into community with other people that keep you happy. It, it institutes rest in your life because we have that thing called the Sabbath, right? Make sure you're getting enough rest. It also gets you out of the house more and around people because you have ongoing, consistently scheduled times where you get out, which influences you to be more active. There's all of these things. There's prayer, there's stress relief, there's all of this stuff. So faith, we're looking at today, is a big deal. And God actually says in the word here in Hebrews, that it pleases him, and he's actually going to reward you. It brings amazing results. So here's a question. I'm looking at the life of Mary. Is how do I get rugged faith like Mary had? And I believe we're going to look through scripture right now this morning and see about five or six different things that made Mary's faith so rugged because I want to have rugged faith like that. So let's look first in the beginning where we really start to pick up the story of Mary in scripture and I want to teach you this lesson right now, and I want you to maybe write this down. It's going to be on the screens. Is Her faith started strong. You got to catch that. It wasn't like she just kind of passively came into knowing about Jesus. She lived a powerful God experience. Now, you guys know the whole story, the Jesus, Jesus story. Angels show up and prophesy to her that she's going to have a baby. He's going to be the Messiah. Angel shows up to her, her husband-to-be, Joseph. Um, angel shows up. Uh, to her cousin Elizabeth. Elizabeth gets pregnant. Mary goes to visit her. And as Mary shows up on the scene, the baby that was going to be John the Baptist in Elizabeth's womb does like a backflip or jumps for joy, right? And that's just kind of weird. So there's all these weird circumstances. This is prophetic. All of this stuff is going on. Uh, Mary's going, the weirdest thing is 
I'm pregnant and I've never been with a man. Let's just get that one off the table. That is the craziest thing. How did I get pregnant? That's never happened before. Um, the baby shows up. Shepherds come from the fields nearby. They all show up at the house that they're staying at. There's no room in the inn, right? Baby's born in the manger. Shepherds roll in. Mary and Joseph are like, who are you? Where did you come from? Jesus, um, your baby is going to be Jesus. He's the Messiah, the Savior of the world. How do you guys know that? It's the middle of the night. What's going on? No, we're in, our, in the fields nearby with our sheep. Angels show up, start singing songs, heavenly hosts. Uh, Unto you, a child is born. He is Jesus Christ, the Savior, the Messiah, all of this stuff. And Mary is just mind blown. Oh my gosh, this is all actually happening to me. I'm, I had this baby supernaturally. He's gonna grow up to be the Savior of the world. There's been all these angels, these prophecies, these shepherds show up telling me that angels told them this. And here's where we understand that her faith started out strong. Luke chapter two, verse 19. The message version puts it like this. This is how she responds to all of this crazy God stuff. It says, Mary kept all these things to herself, holding them dear and deep within herself. Now, I don't want you to read that and just think, oh, that's kind of neat. Mary was like real quiet and speculative. And she's like, oh, that's kind of neat that this is happening to me. You got to understand that the, in the original Greek, the, the wording here, what it's talking about is she experienced all of that stuff and she preserved it. She took it in. She guarded it. She protected it. And it says in some translations, she thought of it often. That's, that's not really good. Not like once in a while, I'll think of that. Literally, it means it consumed her thoughts. In other words, all this stuff went down. I'm now meeting the Messiah, Jesus. And he happens to be my son, but he's actually God's son. And this is crazy to fathom. But she didn't just go, hmm, that's strange. Oh, well, tomorrow's another day. You know, she literally said, this has affected my life. I've met Jesus, this whole God experience. And you know what? I'm holding on for dear life. I'm protecting this. This is incredible. I'm embracing this. And it's going to consume my thoughts. And I'm going to walk with this. She met Jesus and she held on tight. Now, here's a question I have for you, building rugged faith. What was your God experience like? What was your God story like? What was it that was the first time you encountered the real God, the real relationship with Jesus? Where were you at in life and what happened? Because there's obviously something that brought you that you keep coming back to church every week. There must be something in your life that says, I'm a Christian and I know it and here's why. What happened in your life? What was an addiction that he saved you from? What was the attitude of the guy or the girl you were before that you met Jesus and everything changed? See, the first step in having rugged faith is finding that faith moment, that God story moment when everything changed, and then holding on to that and grasping that. And Mary said she took it in, it consumed her thoughts, and she held on to that. The very first step that we need to do in having a strong faith is by not letting it water down, is remembering. I was about 13 years old. I was about five years old when I asked Jesus into my heart with my dad because you're five and, and it's an easy sell. It's like, there's a guy that loves you and he's going to do miracles in your life and he's going to bless you and you get to go to heaven. You're just like, yeah, right, when you're a little kid. And I believe it started there. God planted that seed. When I was about 12 or 13, 14, somewhere in there, I went to a youth camp and I really got it. It clicked. I understood God is real. In fact, we're sitting there worshiping, and I'm worshiping with actually Pastor Tom. We're holding hands, and we're singing these songs, not because we made a habit of holding hands, but because all the kids were holding hands. Can I just clarify that? It wasn't like the two of us like, eh, walking in. And we're in a worship song, and they said, hey, it's family thing, and let's all hold hands. So we're all holding hands, and we're cruising in there, and we're singing. 
And something like electricity just went through my body, through his body, through a couple of other kids. And we all look at each other and we're like, what was that? Like, I don't know, but I think it's God. And that was cool. We're all in. And it's like God changed. And you know what? That's when I really said, yes, I really met Jesus and his power and who he was in my life. But that wasn't just some little camp moment. My life began to change. My, my swearing instantly went away, right? Because as a good little pastor's kid, you got to like kind of prove your street cred. And so you go overboard. So you're using F-bombs like commas every time you can. And that's one of the first things that, that went away in my life was that. It was like my language cleaned up. Like a little kid in eighth grade or something. I was like, whoa, that's, that's crazy. And then I started to have confidence that a 13-year-old shouldn't usually have, right? Because you're dealing with ac acne and puberty and all of that. And I just remember feeling peace and going, man, God is real. And I read the word and it made sense to me. It spoke to my life. And I saw changes in other people. Here's the first step in having rugged faith is hold on to that faith moment when you first met God and don't let that one go. Grab a hold of that and preserve that. Mary had this rugged faith because she met Jesus and she held on. Because that leads us to the second point is that her faith held on. Now let's pick up the story of Mary. We don't hear anything from Mary or Jesus for 12 years. All this prophecy, all this cool stuff happened when he's a baby, 12 years go by. Jesus, in today's terminology, would be about sixth grade, right? Like sixth grade, you're raising this kid, nothing dramatic. He's supposed to be the Messiah. He's supposed to be all this cool stuff. But it's pretty much business as usual at home. Joseph's doing the carpentry deal, um, raising Jesus. He seems like a nice kid, you know. But it's just normal life so far. And so 12 years have now gone by. They take this trip to Jerusalem from Nazareth. We're going to worship the Passover feast, and we're going to celebrate at the temple in Jerusalem. And um, all the Jews from all around, they all went there, converged. Worship God, ceremonies are over. They're all making their way back, caravans, all back home to their, wherever they're from. They get back home, Mary and Joseph, and they're like, yeah, that was really cool. We worship God. And where's Jesus? Is he hanging out with the other families? You know, like, well, who's he with? His friends? They couldn't find him, and they panic. Any of you parents in here ever lost your kid for even like five minutes? That feeling where your heart drops. At first, you're like, oh, stupid kid. And then you're like, oh, no. Like, what if something literally happened? And you're just your heart drops to your stomach and you're just panic mode. They go all the way back to Jerusalem for three days, searching, panicking. Can you imagine? You're probably not sleeping those nights. Put yourself right now, think of your kids lost for three days and how scary that would be. And you're playing the blame game. You were the last one to see him. No, honey, you were the last one to see him. Like, oh, what is God gonna say? We lost this kid, <laughs> right? You gotta go talk to him about that. I'm not gonna take responsibility, right? And they lost him for three days, and they, they finally find him. They show up. He's in the temple, and he's teaching the religious leaders and the pastors and discussing theology, and he's 12 years old. But they've got to be literally like, never mind that. Let's focus on the fact that you were gone for three days. We're freaking out. And you parents, you know, right? You're super relieved, but you're also super angry, right? You're ready to take off the slipper, and I'm going to, Jesus, you know, like, how dare you run away? And you're just in that mode, but it's like, it's chaos. I can't believe it. Three days, you're embracing. You're like, ah, don't ever do that again. You know, you're just, you're just in that mindset. But here's what I want you to catch about Mary and her faith that held on. 12 years have gone by. They lose them. There's this instance. There's all this craziness going on. But in the midst of it, she looks and she goes, wait, wait, what did you say, Jesus? We've been looking all over for you. Where were you? He goes, hey, you should have known I'd be in my father's house about my father's business. And she's like, Huh? And it says this in Luke 2.51. Then he returned to Nazareth with them, 
and was obedient to them. You better be obedient after that, right? <laughs> then it says, and then his mother stored all these things in her heart. Again, the real wording for that is Mary's faith grew. 12 years later, she should have, she should have said, I give up already. We heard that stuff when he's a baby. Doesn't seem like he's anything special right now. There's nothing going on. You know, like she could have let her faith die. And then she could have showed up at the temple all angry and all freaked out and all panicked. And in all that chaos, she could have easily missed out on the small thing that God was trying to show her that, by the way, your 12-year-old is having theological discussion with religious leaders right now. But she caught it. See, here's an amazing thing about rugged faith is that you hold on long enough to see the small stuff that God is doing when it seems in the big picture like nothing's going on. Or there's all these other big things that are going on that are scary or bad or tragic or chaos, but you can see God in the midst of it. You guys remember the story of Elijah the prophet in scripture, that he was on the run from all, all of his enemies they are threatening to kill him. He's super scared, so he runs and he hides on the mountain. He actually goes into a cave, and he's like, oh, I just wanna die, everybody's after me. My, woe is me, the world's falling apart. And God goes, hey, come meet me outside, go stand outside. He goes outside the cave. If you guys remember the story, this huge earthquake comes along, right? Earthquake, rumbling, mountains moving, all of this stuff. And the Bible says in 1 Kings, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And then it says this crazy fire came along and lit up the forest and all of this stuff. And Elijah's just like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. But God wasn't in the fire. Then it says this crazy wind blew, right? And, And wind is knocking trees over and all of this stuff. But God wasn't in the wind. God was not in the earth, wind, and fire, right? You guys remember Earth, Wind, and Fire, right? In other words, do you remember 21st day of September, or however it goes? So God wasn't in Earth, Wind, and Fire. Can we just clear that right there, right? It's dramatic stuff going on. However, what came next? A still, small voice, a gentle whisper. And it was God speaking. And this is what I love, is it's, a, it's an example of in the chaos and everything that's going on in life, If you've got a faith that's really listening hard, you're going to look for God in the small things. She goes, oh, my my son, this and that, we haven't heard from God in 12 years. Oh, but look, he's talking with those guys that are like older and smarter. Something is up right here. Mary didn't have all the answers, but she held on to see what was going to happen. See, there's times in our life that we got to ask ourselves, is the faith, is my faith strong enough to wait it out? Is my faith strong enough that I can see God still moving when it, it doesn't seem like he's actually moving? That's rugged faith, ladies and gentlemen. That's the kind of faith that's being built over time that you keep holding on 12 years later, nothing heroic has happened. But you know what matters? Longevity matters. Remember that, write that down, longevity matters. When your faith holds on and you keep holding on in the midst of whatever's going on, people take notice. Some people in your lives right now are waiting you out to see if you're gonna get off the trip of this Christianity religious thing. They're waiting, they're like, yeah, right but you just keep holding on and you wait for God's blessing. And you know what it does? It changes things. There's, there's someone in, my, in the church right now that was saying, um, I, I was waiting a long time for something to happen. I was waiting for, for God to do something in, in my friend's life. And I was praying for him forever. And, and I, I didn't want to invite him to church though, but I was praying for him. Finally, he invited him to church. He came and it changed that guy's whole entire family and everybody's saved and everybody's a Christian because you're holding on, you're, you're running the example. What kind of a legacy are you gonna leave to your kids? Do you want your kids to go to heaven? Do you want them to know Jesus in their lives? Then don't give up right now. The, wor- the, the waiting is worth it. God is working in the waiting. Look for the small things that he's doing because he's still there. Will you still be there? Will I still see you in this church in six months, one year, five years? Or where are you gonna be? Mary's faith held on. Third, 
her faith-sparked movement. Now fast forward the tape. This is the next place we pick up the story of Mary. Fast forward 18 years. Jesus is about 30 years old. But my point is her faith-sparked movement. Now this is what you know. Her faith is holding on. She believes in God. She believes that, that he's still there. He's going to do something. The promises are going to be fulfilled about him being the Messiah. But it's been 18 years, and he hasn't done anything. There was that little instance twelve, you know, when he's 12 years old at the temple. But other than that, he grew up. He's helping dad build chairs and furniture. He's a carpenter, right? She's probably having other kids along the way. Life is just kind of normal, but she's still believing in her heart, consumed. God's going to still do something. I'm waiting for the promise. So they go to this wedding in Cana. Some of you guys know the story. John chapter 2 says the next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mother told him, hey, they have no more wine. In other words, expecting like, hey, they ran out of wine. Don't you love Jesus' response to this? Dear woman, that's not my problem, right? <laughs> How many of you guys can relate? You have kids like that, right? Hey, you got to do It's not my problem. That's like my brother's job or, you know, whatever. Or when God calls us to do something, oh, God, that's cool, but it's not my problem, right? So Jesus goes, oh, mom, it's not my problem. My time has not yet come. In other words, for me to be the man, Jesus, son of God, it's not quite there yet. So sorry. But mom, Mary, being the great mom that she is, pulls the mom card and says, no, you're doing what I tell you to, right? Because look what she says. She immediately ignores Jesus and turns to the servants nearby, just do whatever he tells you to do, right? Mary displays the full mom there. Just do what he tells you to do. Standing nearby were six stone jars of water used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. In other words, Jesus goes, all right, mom, I'll do what you're telling me to do. The jars have been filled. He said, now dip some of it out. Take it to the master of ceremonies. The servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that now had turned to wine, not knowing where it had come from, though, of course, the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. And the master of ceremonies said, look, a host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone's had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best for last. This is awesome. You've kept the best until now. In other words, the water that Jesus turned into wine was better than the wine that was wine in the first place. That's how cool Jesus was, right? This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. After the wedding, he went to Capernaum for a few days with his mother, brothers, and his disciples. Now, here's how we know Mary had rugged faith was her faith wasn't passive faith that just said, I believe, but I'm not gonna do anything about it. Here's Mary that said, I believe enough to ask my son to do a miracle right now, knowing that Jesus had never done any other miracles up, up in his life until now. The Bible says this was the first time Jesus revealed his glory. Here's Mary asking for a miracle from someone that has had no experience ever doing a miracle. That's faith. That's faith that says, I believe enough to ask for something that I can't see that hasn't been done before. That is active faith. That's not passive faith that says, I believe, and maybe one day something will happen. I'm just not going to get around to it. See, there's a difference in active faith and passive faith. Passive faith means you have it. It's inside of you. You're just not putting it to work. Passive faith is a lot of Christians. We come to church. We play church on the, on the weekend. Hey, praise God. I love you. God is good. Then Monday in school or at work, you're just like, nobody knows you're a Christian, right? You hide your light under a bushel. No. Right? You guys heard that song before? Yeah. Hide it under a bushel. No! 
I'm going to let it shine. Come on, anybody? You know that one? Right? That's passive faith. That's not Mary. Mary goes in with the full candle lit. Boom! I believe. I believe, Jesus, in you and who you are, though you've never proved it to me yet. I believe you can do something about this situation. That's active faith. How many of you guys have computers or phones that go into sleep mode? You guys know what I'm talking about? Right? It has potential and battery power, but in order to save power, it goes dark and it goes into sleep mode. Right? The thing is, sleep mode is awesome when you're not connected to the wall socket and it's conserving your battery. But during sleep mode, it's not active. It's not doing anything. Right? Here's the thing. You only need sleep mode when you're not connected to a power source. If you're connected to the power source, there should be no going to sleep because it doesn't worry. You don't need any more power. You're connected. This is the thing about our faith. If you're connected to Jesus Christ and you have an active faith, there's no reason or excuse for any of you or me to go into passive sleep mode with our faith. If I believe in Jesus on Sunday, then I better believe in him on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You guys get my, my drift, right? Here's Mary going, I believe in this guy. Never seen anything he can do yet, but Jesus, go turn some water into wine right now. She activated that faith, and that's the kind of faith that, that we need to activate. Does your faith lead to action? Because if it does, you're rugged, and I applaud you. That's awesome. That's the kind of faith that God will reward. Here's a fourth thing we learn about Mary. We pick up the story a little bit later. Jesus had been preaching and teaching and healing, delivering people from the demonic, raising people from the dead, feeding the 5,000 with a couple loaves, a couple fish, just doing all of this stuff. But at this time, not everybody believed in him. And this fourth thing about Mary is this. She had faith when others didn't. That's a mark of rugged faith is when you believe, even though everybody else around you doesn't. Look at John 7, verse 1. It says, at this time, after this, Jesus traveled around Galilee he wanted to stay out of Judea, right, where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. But soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters, and Jesus' brothers, right, James, Joseph, Judas, or Jude, and Simon, they said this to Jesus, hey, leave here and you go to Judea, where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers didn't believe in him. Now, this is what I want you to catch here about Mary. Mary is believing in Jesus when her own people, the Jewish people, her own religious leaders, her own pastors, that's the way you could look at it in today's terminology, her own pastors were plotting to kill Jesus because they said, no, 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 we go by Moses' law, Levitical law, Ten Commandments, like we don't believe this Jesus guy and all his claims of being the son of God. So no, he's out. So we're against this guy. Mary is believing in him while her own pastors and church leaders are saying, we don't believe in him. We actually want to kill this guy. Mary is believing when the Roman government at the time is like, we don't like any revolutionary upstarts coming on. You have to adapt to, we'll embrace your gods, but your gods, you have to embrace all of our gods as well. There is no one true God like what you guys are saying. The government wasn't very fond of Jesus. At the same time, check this out. Jesus is Mary's own sons didn't believe in their older brother. Can you, can you understand what it's like to have your family divided on something like that? That's a hard place to be in. Mary's sitting there going, the religious leaders of the church don't believe in him. The government doesn't believe in him. My own kids don't even believe in their own brother. But I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to hold on. Let me tell you something, church. If you haven't yet, you will get to a time, if your faith is active and if it's rugged, you're going to get to a time when it's not going to be cool to be a Christian. Do you have the kind of faith 
that can hold on when it's not popular to, to have faith in Jesus Christ. When you talk about certain political things and stances you might take, when you're at school, when I was in school and I was a, a young kid in, in high school, I remember I had two classes, basically one class really in particular, where I didn't even go by my name, Carl, I went by church boy. That's just all I was. And it was kind of a tease, it was a mockery by my friends. It was kind of good, but kind of cutting to the point of like, oh, we went to the party this weekend, we did this, we did that, and oh, you don't do that, huh, church boy? You don't do that stuff, huh? No, no, I don't. It's cool, you know? You guys make your own choices. I'm not trying to force it on anybody. I'm not judging. But yeah, this is, this is the life that God called me to. This is my faith in Jesus. Oh, so you're not gonna take a hit of this if I offer it to you? No, I'll just pass it right on by, you know? Like, that's, that's all you. Um, and you're not going to do this. You're not going to get with that girl. You're not going to do that. Ah, no, super hard. Everybody else is doing it. I'm kind of not the cool guy. I'm the church boy, right? But what happens is over time, when you hold on and everybody else is against your faith, God will reward you. I look years later and I realize all the stuff that I could have done, what my friends all did and what they got into and all of the consequences that it brought them. And I look at my own life and I go, my faith that was small, that I held onto when no one else was into it, my faith protected me from a lot of junk, a lot of stuff. And it's not a judgment to say, you're bad, I'm good. It's the fact that Mary's holding on when everybody around her is going, no, we don't believe in this Jesus guy. We're, we're not going to do this. Do you have the kind of faith that believes in Jesus when it's not popular? When it's not popular, because your faith will protect you. That's rugged faith. Here's the next one we see. Now, this is when it gets really crazy. Now, this is the one that a lot of people fold under. This is that Mary had faith even when it hurt. This is a tough one for a lot of us in the room, that we can deal with criticism and all that, but when it hurts and it looks like God's not in it and we've been blasted and beat up by life, whether it's loss of a loved one, whether it's betrayal, it's gossip, it's, it's whatever, we've been hurt by people. Maybe there's abuse, physical, mental, emotional, whatever, you're just like, really? Is it worth it to follow God? This is Mary. She had a rugged faith that believed even when it hurt. Now, here's the new scene where we see Mary next. It's at the cross. It's at the fact that her son has just been arrested, condemned, wrongfully accused, whipped to the point, 39 lashes of skin tearing off his back. You guys know it, punched in the face, spit on, crown of thorns. You saw the passion of the Christ. That's pretty darn realistic to what a human body would go through with what Jesus actually went through. And you're his mom. And she's at the cross. She's standing at the foot of the cross while her son, her firstborn, is there with nails through his hands, through his feet. He's just a wreck. He's barely recognizable. He's dripping with blood, and he's up there at the cross. And we pick up the scene in John 19, 25. It says, standing near the cross where Jesus' mother his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, Jesus is looking down, and Mary's standing by the disciple he loved, which we know is John that wrote the book of John. He said to her, dear woman, here's your son. And he said to the disciple, here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. Here's what you gotta catch. There's only a few people standing by Jesus while he's about to die. Well, where's all the feeding of the 5,000? Where's all the miraculous this and that? And where's all the other 12 disciples? Or John is there. Where's everybody else? You know what it says? If you remember, in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night he was arrested, all of his disciples deserted him and fled. They ran away. They're scared. They're terrified. None of them understood that he really was going to come back from death three days later. Even though Jesus directly told them, 
None of them got it. The Bible says they didn't understand what was gonna happen until after the resurrection. They went, oh, they put two and two together. So even Mary was sitting there. Literally, she had to be thinking this. I'm watching my son leave planet Earth right now. I'm watching him about to take his last breath. This, can this be true? Is this really happening? Am I in a nightmare right now? The promises at his birth, the, the thing in the temple when he was 12, the miracles he's been doing, God, are you even in this? Are you here? Are you listening to me? Is this some kind of a weird joke? This isn't supposed to hurt this bad. God, is the Messiah gone right now? My son is about to be murdered in front of my very eyes. Is this for real? But you know what? Mary was there. Mary stayed. And in the midst of all of that, she was holding on and she was believing when everybody else scattered and fled because they're terrified, confused, and they didn't get it. See, will you be the one holding on when life throws curveballs at you and life throws blows at you and you're hurting super bad? Have you been through any of those moments? Because if you haven't, I'm, I'm pretty sure you will be. Because part of having a rugged faith, it's preceded by fire. It's preceded by valleys. It's preceded by things that are going to put that faith to the test. And here's Mary having faith even when it was impossible. She was confused, and it hurt really bad. I went through a season in my life, and I refer to it often, and I'm probably always going to talk about this because it marked me, it rattled me, it changed me. Super hard season of not even going to get into the details because the story is still being written. It's not done yet. Someday it'll make an awesome testimony. I'll write a book on it or something, but it's not over yet. I think a lot of us are in process like that too. But I went through this really heavy season, and if there's anybody that has a reason to leave the church, to run away from people that you think love you in life, to run away from a God that's supposed to have your back and care for you, you're looking at them right here. Some of you guys know bits and pieces of the story, but I don't need to get into it to prove to you the point that it was the worst time in my life and it hurt like whatever you want to use to describe it. The worst thing, it, it hurt terrible. And in the midst of it, somehow, I stayed with Jesus and I held on. It led to, honestly, part of our whole name change, why he's our anchor because when the storms are beating you up and you got nowhere to go, you have an anchor. And I had that, as Jesus says, the mustard seed of faith enough to go, I'm going to keep holding on, even though this hurts like hell right now. This hurts so bad. And here's Mary going, that's my son. I raised him. I fed him. I fixed his hurts and I bandaged his wounds. And, and I cared for him and I rocked him to sleep at night. And he's being murdered and he's done. But this hurts, God. I don't even know what to make of this thing. But here's Mary that held on when that happened. See, let me tell you this. Rugged faith is believing even when it hurts. And if you want to have the kind of faith that God's going to reward, you got to hold on even when it hurts. But I want to end it on this dark note because the next place you read about Mary was when Mary actually celebrated with her faith that paid off. She, she had a faith that paid off because it was only three days later when everybody got it. Oh my gosh, he's back. See, everybody's rejoicing because they're going, he really is the Messiah, the Son of God. He came back from the dead. You gotta know that all Mary is thinking is, my boy is back. My son is alive again. He's not beat up. He's got scars, but he's alive and that's all I care about. And I'm so happy. And for the remaining days until he ascended back up into heaven, you got to be knowing that Mary is probably hugging Jesus every single day and partying and just praising God. See, the faith 
paid off for Mary. He came back from the dead. He really is the Messiah. My son is alive and well. This is amazing stuff. Not only that, but it says this later on in the book of Acts. After he is alive and well, he reveals himself. He is the son of God. He's good. She knows that he ascended into heaven, where he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. Life is good. He's excited. Not only that, but the family all came back together, too. Unity in the family. It says in Acts 1.14 that all the, all the believers met together and were constantly united in prayer. Along with Mary, it makes note to, to mention her, along with all the believers. She was still there. She was still holding on along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. Her faith paid off. No better thing to know than your family's all together. All the boys that were against Jesus before, suddenly they're in there, and they're hardcore for Jesus, and they're believing, and the family's believing in God together. How do you know this? Well, number one, one of his brothers, James, is actually the one that wrote the book of James about Jesus. Another one of the brothers, Judah, or also goes by Jude, was Jude, the author of the book of Jude. So her family was sold out. She got her family back. Her boy was alive. Her boy actually was the Messiah. God came through on all of his promises. She lived a lifetime of watching all the miracles, of holding on when, when there was a lot of waiting time, of holding on, and am I going to see God in the small stuff, of holding on when there was critics and there was people uh, persecuting and, and peer pressure to say no. When he's hanging on the cross, when her heart is breaking, she held on, and her life paid off. And she was there in Acts chapter 2, when Pentecost came, when the Holy Spirit was given to all believers everywhere, an explosive growth came to the church, and there's probably no better time to be alive in Christianity than in during, during those early days when the church was just blowing up and going worldwide. And Mary died a really happy, fulfilled life, knowing that she had the kind of faith that as we go back to Hebrews, what it said was, it pleased God and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him that Mary met Jesus from early on, and she held on tight. Now, that's rugged faith. That's the kind of faith that you and I should be chasing after all of our days. Again, what do the studies say? It adds years to your life in just having a, a, a strong faith. So honestly, the way I look at it is, I may have just added 10 years to your life today. You're welcome. <laughs> but let's bow our heads and let's, let's pray. God, would you give us the kind of rugged faith that Mary had, Lord, from the bottom of our hearts? We don't want to be passive Christians. Lord, we don't want to be the kind of people that know about you, but we don't really know you. Lord, we want to hold on despite all the circumstances in life. And I pray, Lord, that you would make us that kind of a people, that you would build a ruggedness to our faith, a resilience, a toughness, a durability, something that is persevering, that will outlast all of our critics, that will outlast all the storms, that will outlast all of the dry waiting periods in life. Lord, a, a faith that says we're going to hold on until we see your miracles and, and, and all the promises that you've promised come to pass in our lives. Some of us are holding on to some very specific promises right now, Lord, and some expectations from you. And Lord, we're going to vow to you right now in our hearts, we're not going to give up. We're going to hold on. We're going to be rugged for you, Father God, so that we can be around to have the faith that is rewarded. So God, help us to be that. We need your help, Holy Spirit. We can't do it on our own. So fill us and empower us to be able to do that. And for anybody in the room that you've never, you never given God a real shot at being your Lord and Savior in your life, again, I'm not talking about you've been to church before and you read a Bible before because anybody can show up, anybody can read. It's a whole different thing to activate that faith and to actually begin to obey all that he's calling you to to live your life in the way that he wants you to, and to glorify him in all that you do. And you will see the rewards in this life and in the life to come, but you got to make that commitment. 
You gotta take that first early step and start a faith like Mary did when she met Jesus, changed her life, and she held on. And if that's something that you wanna do this morning, I'm gonna give you an opportunity right now. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. Simple, here's how it goes. I'm gonna pray a prayer out loud for you and with you, and I want you to pray it with me under your breath. Make it a heart issue right now that you would be saying this in your heart of hearts to God. God judges us on our hearts. Now, he obviously wants us to own up to him and confess with our mouth. And so right after service, you can go and tell someone you prayed this prayer. But right now, let's start in the heart. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer. You prayed along with me quietly in your heart. And then from that moment on, you're in. If you continue to live that and make that relationship, then, then God's got you. He's got your back, and, and you're his kid. And you go from here and watch what could happen in your life. But I want to do one thing before we pray this prayer. I want, to let, I want you to let me know that you're going to pray with me. And the way that we're going to do that is I'm going to count to three in a minute here. All eyes are closed and heads are bowed. I'm just going to count to three. And if you want to pray this to be a Christian right now and let God change your life and begin your step of faith, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Then when I see those hands, acknowledge it. Then we'll put them down. And then we're going to pray this prayer together. And life truly begins right with this prayer here. So if that's you right now, on the count of three, and you want to say yes to God and really be true with this faith thing, on the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Would you just raise those hands? Hold them high. Don't be shamed. Don't be shy. This is not the time to be ashamed. This is God about to just blow your life up in a good way. Hold them up. I want to see them. I see one over here. Praise God. I see two, three, four, five, six. I'm looking around. Seven, eight, nine, ten. It's at least 10, 11 people right here. Thank you, Father God, for those hands. Um, if I didn't see you, don't worry, God saw you. Put your hand down. I saw at least 11 people. Would you, if you're those people with your hands up, just put your hands down. Make this your prayer right now to God. God, I'm here today, and I realize that I need you in my life, Lord, and I want to be real about it. I don't want to play the game. I don't want to be religion. I want to be relationship with Jesus Christ, because that's what you want. That, Lord, it says that you reward those that sincerely seek you and that it pleases you to have faith. So, God, here's my life, my heart, my everything. I have faith in you from here on out. Lord, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. I believe that you did so when you went to the cross 2,000 years ago. You died to take the hit so I wouldn't have to. And that, Lord, that because of Jesus, now I have a relationship with you, Father God, and, and with the Holy Spirit who now lives inside me, that my life and my attitudes and my thoughts are going to change because of your Holy Spirit in me. So, Lord, I embrace and I receive all that you have for me. From here on out, I'm not just going to believe in it, but I'm going to live it every single day. Lord, help me stay plugged into church, into your word, into getting water baptized, into receiving the power of your Holy Spirit in my life. Lord, I don't even understand it all yet, but I know right now from my heart that I need you and I want you. So Lord, if you'll have me, here I am. Thank you for loving me as I call out in my heart right now. You're receiving me into your eternal kingdom and you're about to change my life as you're making me a new creation. Thank you for all of that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Church, let's praise God with those people right now. Amen. Amen.